I entered into this headspace of this is awful. I'm in such a horrible, sad place at the moment. Nothing can be worse than this. What would you do if you built a loyal audience who loved your content, particularly hearing about your personal life, but your life was heading in a different direction? Would you be brave enough to pivot your content strategy, knowing that your audience might not like it? I was very much in between. Do I continue to spill my life everywhere to keep these people happy, but it won't make me happy? Or do I explore a new way for me to create content, a new passion of mine? This is exactly the situation Instagram and online business educator Vix Melju found herself in two years ago. In this interview, you'll find out what she decided to do and how it helped her business. You have all of these fears in your head. Am I going to lose my followers? What are people going to think? She'll also share advice on how to find more joy in your content creation and why that's super important. You're listening to the Courageous Content Podcast. I'm Janet Murray, and I love helping coaches, creatives, and entrepreneurs create super engaging content that generates leads and sales for their businesses. No one starts a business and just knows how to create engaging content. It's a skill that has to be learned and practiced. And there's always something new to learn, no matter how long you've been in business. And I know running an online business can feel messy. Perfectionism, fear, self-doubt, and other mindset stuff can stop you showing up online in the way that's best for you. So you'll get help with that too. Ready to get courageous with your content? Let's get started. How does a teacher end up making a living from a dating blog? When I was teaching, I started a blog that was at first a very poorly done kind of like lifestyle blog where I was trying to do like fashion and beauty and chatting about everything. And I then became single and I thought, oh, I could turn this into a bit of a dating blog and I could write blog posts about observations, experiences, and generally what it was like to be kind of like a single girl in London. So I did that for a couple of years and that's how I began to build my platform. My whole personal brand was around my humorous writing style and how I didn't really take myself too seriously and how I was really happy to just take the pee out of myself as it were. And yeah, things started to go really well from there. I started to work with brands and and do things in the wider media as well. And then I met my husband. He came into my life whilst I was writing about dating. And I thought, oh no, I can't write about dating anymore because I'm not dating. And I could have carried it on and made it into a relationships blog, but I decided I actually really wanted all of that stuff that I'd put out into the world to maybe be a bit more private and wanted to kind of grow the relationship and focus on just having a nice, lovely, healthy relationship. And I just didn't really want to put it all out on the internet anymore. But my thing that I'd become known for and the thing that I'd spent all of these years building suddenly wasn't there anymore. That was scary because you have all of these fears in your head around, am I going to lose my followers? What are people going to think? And suddenly I said, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm keeping a lot of things to myself. And now my content's going to change and it's going to be a lot less about me. Were some of those people upset because you were no longer going to be serving them? I had a few comments that were like, you're boring now. You know, it was around being kind of like boring. I wasn't giving everything away and people couldn't be kind of nosy anymore because I was keeping a lot more things private and I wasn't so much talking about my exploits. It was just more more lighthearted kind of content. I'd also at the time during that time as well, I lost both my parents within about 18 months of each other. And I spoke a lot about mental health and grief on my blog as well. So I kind of felt 
people felt a bit let down, a bit disappointed, like, oh my gosh, I could count on you for all of this juicy gossip and live vicariously through you or listen to all of your ups and downs and your roller coasters. And now you've taken that away from me. So that really played on my mind for a really long time because I was too scared to lean into what I really wanted to do because I felt very tied to that community. They'd gotten me to where I was. They'd helped me go full-time from leaving teaching and becoming a full-time content creator. This community had supported me and engaged with me and engaged with all my sponsored posts. So I felt very tied to serving them content that I no longer wanted to serve. So I was very much in between. Do I continue to spill my life everywhere to keep these people happy? but it won't make me happy? Or do I explore a new way for me to create content, a new passion of mine? How did it feel when you were reading some of these comments? I used to be kind of like, oh, you know, I don't care. You know, whatever you say, I don't care. And I I think on the front, that's how I presented. But at the time, it really, it really did affect me. And it affected me for a really long time because there'd be things that I think, oh, I really want to do this. And I really want to speak about this. And then I'd hold myself back because those voices would almost be in the back of my head. You're boring. You're this, you're that. So it took lots of therapy. I had to speak to my therapist about it a lot. (laughs) So how did you move through it and start to create the kind of content that you wanted to create? I've had a year to a year and a half of straddling both worlds of still trying to use my platform as the kind of lifestyle platform, but also trying to create content on these platforms that were around the direction that I wanted to go into. I started having lots of other content creators in my community come to me and say, Vix, how did you leave your job? How have you monetized? You don't do loads and loads of ads. You don't do loads and loads of affiliate links. You don't have 10,000 followers at the time. How have you managed to make this a full-time job? And how have you managed to keep showing up and keep putting your kind of brand out there? So I really wanted to lean into educating people around that. So teaching them how to build their brands, how to become the face of a brand, how to create that kind of personable content. So for a really long time, my platform was like, half, here's me giving tips and observations and trying to help you. And half, here's what we did this weekend. Here's a dress that I like. Here's what we're watching on Netflix. I was still a bit afraid to fully lean in and to fully say, I'm not the blogger anymore. I'm not the content creator anymore. I'm now an online educator in this space. And this is what I want to share on my platform. I was very scared to do that. What was the turning point for you? All of the signs were lean in, lean in, lean in. But I still had a lot of this fear. And it was in May, June time last year, we had our puppy Olive. And at nine months old, we sadly lost her where she got hit by a car. and. There was this immense like grief. Like, Olive was my little baby. And I was struck by this immense amount of grief. And I almost entered into this like effort headspace of this is awful. This feels horrendous. I'm in such a horrible, sad place at the moment. Nothing can be worse than this. So if I want to bring some joy back into my life, I have to go where the joy is. And that is educating on this subject. And If people want to say stuff or people want to be horrible or, you know, have an opinion about it that's not kind or constructive, it's not going to hurt as much as the grief that I'm going through at the moment. So F it. I love the fact that you talked about creating joy or feeling joy in your content Mm. because I'm a big believer in you have to create the content that your audience wants. I mean, you can create content that people 
don't want, but if you're running a business and it doesn't resonate with your ideal clients or customers, you're not going to grow. However, there's no one way to create content and finding Mm. a way that feels like you enjoy creating it, that you feel good with it. You actually get up in the morning and you want to create that content. I really believe everyone can find the joy. It's just about finding that thing. Yes, definitely. And my big change was that I had always believed that on Instagram, you had to have pictures, you had to have photos and everything had to be a picture of you. It was all like, it has to show your face, otherwise it's not going to get good engagement. And that was the headspace that I was in. But I really don't like having my photo taken. I never, ever have ever since I was a child. It's not something that I feel really natural doing, very comfortable doing, very confident doing. I've always preferred teaching and discussing things using words. And I'd started to see on Instagram that a lot more people were kind of doing these like graphic carousel infographic posts where they were using quotes and phrases to get their message across. And I'd been wanting to dabble with that and with memes and with video. But in my turning point effort kind of moment, I thought, you know what, I want to create these carousels. I want to use my words. I don't want to have to always worry about, I need to get a picture. I need to get a picture which also because I was in that headspace, I was very inconsistent with my content. Sometimes I'd go like five, six days to two weeks without posting. So it gave me that permission to try different content forms. And I don't know whether it was because I was more confident, whether I could get my message across in a better way, whether it was a medium that I felt more comfortable with, whether I could finally just be consistent because I had so much that I wanted to say and get across, but it went really, really well. If you haven't heard of carousel posts, here's a quick explainer. An Instagram carousel is a post with multiple posts or videos that can be viewed by swiping or clicking left. Up to 10 images or videos can be added and shared as a single post on the feed. So it's a great way to share a story using text, visuals, or a combination of both, or even give a tutorial on your Instagram grid. Wow. And your Instagram account has grown hugely, hasn't it, since then? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I'd started creating these carousel posts, teaching on different subjects. And I think I grew about 18,000 followers in about eight weeks or something. I can't remember how much it was, but it was quite a lot in a short space of time. And then since then, I've been growing really steadily. I've had a couple of posts that do well in terms of shares and other people seeing it and exposing it to their audiences, which has brought in a really nice steady stream of new followers. So that's been great. But the best thing for me is that not that it's been, I don't really care so much about the number, but because I've been able to fully lean into my area of expertise and what I love to teach on and what I love to speak about, it's been revolutionary for my business. You've mentioned so many things there, which are so important. There's a lot of Instagram gurus that say that if you post a picture of yourself, then you will get more engagement. And I created a reel about this where I was like, well, yes, if the rest of your content isn't getting great engagement, a human face is going to do better. But that's probably only better compared to other content that maybe isn't doing so well. Mm. And actually, if you're looking at a whole strategy, which is about, well, what do my audience want? Like, how do they want me to show up? What do they need from me? What would be helpful? And what do I also enjoy creating? For me, it's the consistency. It doesn't have to be beautiful. I like my account to look nice aesthetically, but I know plenty of accounts which aren't, but they're consistent. I often talk about it as like Instagram is like the magazine of your business. So if somebody comes along and has a look, they need to look at those top nine posts and be like, right, okay, I know what this is about. 
and therefore I want to see more of it or it's not for me, I'm going to move on. Yeah, I think you've absolutely nailed it on the head there. I think my biggest pivot was from content that's about me to content that's for my community. I think sometimes when we think, oh, we've got to get photos, 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 we're not always thinking what's going to serve my community in the best way. And it's tough because Instagram started as a photo journal app, as a way of sharing photos with our friends and family. So it's really hard to change that headspace from it being a photo diary to being, like you said, a magazine or a place to serve your community. And I think that product businesses find it particularly difficult because they think, I've just got to show photos of my product business or my products. I don't know what else I would post. And service-based businesses can find it tricky because if they are the personal brand and they are the face of their brand, they think that means they need to be the face of their Instagram. But they're missing that key point, which is your content is not for you. It's for your community. You've really embraced Reels, haven't you? Instagram Reels. And how's that been for you? Oh, I love Reels. Back in early 2020, I got really into TikTok. So I was doing loads of videos on TikTok, just wanted to kind of learn the platform. I didn't particularly have a niche or direction or anything on TikTok. It was just me kind of jumping on the trends and exploring and experimenting with the platform. So I then was finding it really difficult to do lots and lots of content on Instagram and lots and lots of content on TikTok. So I was very excited when Instagram brought Reels in because it was a formula that I'd started to get really enjoy from TikTok, but it was on the platform that I spent most of my time on. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to throw myself into this. But I just made sure that when I started my reels on Instagram, I kept it within my niche and within what I speak on and try to still do those elements of trends, but make it relevant to my brand. And it's been going really well. I think that organic reach on reels has so much more opportunity than any other form of content on Instagram at the moment. And in terms of reaching new audiences, it's brilliant. And in terms of engaging your current audience, it's really good as well. So yeah, big fan of Reels. If you haven't heard of Instagram Reels, they're short, engaging 15 or 30 second videos. Although some users now have a minute. As I'm recording this in July 2021, The head of Instagram just announced that Instagram was no longer primarily a photo sharing app. The focus going forward will be on short form videos. So my advice would be ignore Instagram Reels at your peril. I have a number of episodes on Instagram Reels, including a tutorial on how to create them. I'll link to those episodes in the show notes. And I think I saw you saying somewhere that you'd lost followers when you first started doing Reels regularly, which happened to me too. Can you talk a little bit about that? I don't know if it was when I started doing reels necessary. It was around the same time that I fully leaned into this new content niche. And I think it was just generally those people that had been following me for the last however many years and were following me for like the dating stuff or they didn't want to know about my marriage, didn't want to know about my relationship, don't really care about Instagram, don't have a business. They just were kind of there from those days. I think possibly then just got the message of like, okay, she's not going to go back to speaking about dating. Her new content style is very much educational or being a bit silly on reels. And it's not for me. And I think reels can be a bit marmite with some people. Sometimes you could really enjoy a creator's photos or grid posts and carousels. But on reels, you might think like, oh, this isn't content that I enjoy or this isn't what I would expect. I was growing followers at the same time. So even though I didn't really notice the loss until I looked at my insights and I was like, wow, 
I've had a thousand people unfollow me this week. Have I done something controversial? Have I done something wrong? But I'd had two and a half thousand people follow me. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'm not for you anymore. My content that I'm finding joy from and I'm using to be helpful just isn't landing with you anymore. So bye. See ya. (laughs) Yeah. You have to hold your nerve, don't you? When I started doing reels at the beginning of the year, I tanked, I think it was one week where it was about a thousand. And I was like, I really hope I'm doing the right thing. And Mm. I'm always experimenting because I feel like I need to go first and then I show my clients how to do it. And so I had grown this account really quickly posting memes, but personally, that doesn't give me a great amount of joy. I felt like I'd built this like prison for myself because I was then expected to be showing up with all of these memes. And I think I built this section of my audience who probably weren't interested in any of my paid products or services. They just liked the memes. But it picked back up again. And like you, I started to acquire new people who were saying, oh my God, I love what you're doing and this is so fun. But equally, I got an email from a client who said they were leaving because they didn't want to even work with me anymore because they hated my reels so much, which is quite quite extreme. And have you got better at... I'm laughing about that and I'm imagining that some of my clients would be mortified if they got an email like that. I think I've just had so much of it over the years that I get... It's a bit like water up a duck's back. But you mentioned feeling quite hurt earlier on by some of the comments about when you pivoted from your more personal lifestyle blog. Do you find it easier to cope with feedback, whether it's direct or indirect, like losing followers? Uh, I have my moments. If I'm having a particularly sort of down on myself moment, then it hits me a lot harder. But if I'm having a moment where I'm feeling really confident and really good and everything's going well for me, then I take it a lot less to heart. I read a great book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And in that book, she talks about how feedback is merely data. And that's been really helpful for me to remind myself is that often with feedback, what the person is telling you is more about what they value than what's about you. So for example, that person is not actually telling you that you're doing it badly or you're bad at reels or you're bad at video content. They're just saying, my preferences, I don't really like it people wouldn't say these things to your face. So nobody would go up to you and say, hey, you know, face to face over a coffee, I've decided I don't want to work with you anymore because you do video content. It's a lot easier to give this feedback over comments or DMs or email. So yeah, I just try to remind myself that it's just like this person values this and it's not what I value. Doesn't mean anything about me, what I'm doing, my content, because I'm very checked in with what I do. I feel very aligned with what I do. I'm very happy with what I do. It's just this person's feedback. What advice would you give to somebody who was wanting to pivot their content? I always ask people to check back in on their bigger picture. And that was really something that I had to do. My bigger picture was always to grow my Grow and Glow membership. So for me to be able to grow that, I needed to become somebody who people would want to join their membership and to be the person who somebody would want to join their membership. I had to be a leader that was helpful, educational, inspiring, all these things. So I had to put that across in my content. So my content had to pivot. So I always check back in on the bigger objective, the bigger goal and work backwards. And then if you're at that place where you need to pivot, just do it. Just rip Mm -hmm. off the band-aid. I'm speaking to myself here because I wish I'd ripped off that band-aid six months earlier than I did. The other piece of advice is don't be afraid to repel. The further you lean into something, the further you drill down on what it is that you really want to be and do, the more likelihood you're going to repel people 
who were kind of happy bimbling along with what you were doing before and everything felt safe and it all felt very predictable, as it were, not in a bad way, but they knew what to expect. When you do make a pivot and you do make a change, it's going to repel some people, but it's going to attract some people even closer or some new people in. And I always say to people, it's about the difference between creating forgettable content and memorable content. And I don't know any content creators who create memorable content, like content that I remember their content, I go back and look at it because I enjoyed it, who are playing it safe. I feel a lot of people are terrified of saying anything that people might disagree with. For example, the post that I talked about there about not posting personal pictures of yourself all the time, a lot of people disagreed with me and they were saying, but my social media coach says this. And I said, well, I believe that's wrong. I did a reel on common punctuation mistakes, which did really well. But again, people were arguing with me in the comments, but I felt confident that I was right. And so I was able to explain that in the comments. But I think to have the kind of content that people remember, you can't tread on eggshells. You can't not have an opinion or anything. It's just not possible because you just become so vanilla and bland. Yeah. You could have a hundred people say, this is brilliant. Yeah. Love this. And the one person that says, oh, I've got a problem with this. I don't like this. That's the voice you hear. And I think we could all do a much better job of really being grateful and appreciating the hundred people that say, yes, this is great. This is exactly what I want to hear and keep creating for that group of people. And remember that that person with the kind of dissenting voice is just giving you feedback and try not to listen to it over everything else. That's not to say don't take on feedback and and understand the data that people are giving you about what they do want to see and what they don't want to see, but don't let it affect you to the point where you're afraid to stand out and put your head above the parapet because it's only by standing out that you become the authority, the expert, the one that is top of mind for people. And that is what's really going to have a difference for your biz. A piece of advice I often give to my clients when they're frightened of pivoting their content is it's not forever. So you could do a series. So like with a podcast, for example, I wish I'd started a podcast in seasons because then that would give me the breathing space to say, well, that worked really well, but I'm going to take a break and come back with something different or just create a series of posts, see how they go down, just do a number of videos. For me, it feels like just taking the first step. It's not forever. I think the problem with pivoting with content is that there's this tendency to view it as final. Like I can only do this if I go all in. But for me, it's like, well, why not experiment with some posts or why not try a short season of videos or podcasts? I'm just a big fan of holding things more lightly and being a bit more experimental with things. And I think that's what comes back to having your bigger goal to what you're working towards. If you've got that solidified, then when it comes to content, you can be freer to experiment. You can try doing reels. And if you think you're not getting your message across in the right way, or it's not really working for you, you can pivot back to doing Instagram lives or photos. I've gone from, I must post a picture to actually my first question always to myself nowadays is, could this be a reel? And when I have an idea, could this be a real? If it can't, oh, should I do a live on this or should I make it into a carousel? Oh, you did a live yesterday. Oh, well, (laughs) this is going to come across better in a live. I don't really mind. Yeah. And just being a bit more playful with it. What does being courageous with content look like to you? I think courageousness goes back to experimentation. It does take a lot of courage to experiment, but know that you can't ever go wrong with an experiment. Because you're only ever going to learn. Any any engagement is just feedback. And 
when you experiment and you put a piece of content out there, it can never air quotes bomb because all it does is tell you that message, that style, that time, that color, (laughs) that song on reels just didn't land with people. And then you can just go make the next piece of content and measure it again from there. And then you can go back to your pieces of content that have consistently kind of air quotes performed really well and understand a bit more why. Why has that done well? Was it the style that I did, the platform that I used, the time that I posted, the message that I had and do more of that. And then you can think, okay, this is the stuff that people aren't really interested in. People aren't really resonating with them. They're not really loving this kind of thing. You can put that to one side and come back to it and revisit it at any time. Every week, I'm asking my audience what you're struggling with, what you want to hear, what you want to learn about. And I create my content based on what they're telling me they need to hear. And that helps because if I chuck something out there and it doesn't air quotes perform well, nine times out of 10, I know it's because I haven't been listening and I haven't really taken on. I've just assumed, oh, I should post about this or I should post about that. And I just don't mind. I just think, oh, okay, that post didn't land. I'll try again. There is so much great advice in this episode about how to find the courage to pivot your content and your business and how important it is to find joy in your content creation. After all, if you're going to go to the trouble of creating content for your business, you may as well enjoy it. If you've been thinking about taking a change of direction with your content, I hope this interview has inspired you to go for it. To, as Vic puts it, just rip off that band-aid. And as I shared in this episode, you don't have to go all in right from the off. Experimenting with a short content series can be a great way to get started. If you'd like to connect with Vix and find out more about her Grow and Glow membership, I'll link to her website and socials in the show notes. And you can connect with her on Instagram, at Grow with Vix. In fact, if you enjoyed this episode, why not tag us both in a post about it? I'm at Jan Murray UK. Would you like to create super engaging content about your business and do it consistently? If so, you need my courageous content planner in your life. It's a gorgeous A4 desk diary that's so simple to use because it's based on my 4x4 strategy, which involves posting four styles of content four days a week. Yes, content planning really can be that easy. There's templates for daily, weekly, monthly, and annual planning, so you know exactly what to post, where, and when. Plus hundreds of ready-to-go content ideas and prompts. So you'll never run out of ideas for social media posts again. And accountability trackers to keep you consistent with your posting. The Courageous Content Planner is both practical and pretty, with four gorgeous cover designs to choose from. So if you want to ditch the content overwhelm and you want a simple content plan you can actually stick to, head over to CourageousContentPlanner.com to order your copy today. Thanks for listening to the Courageous Content Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media. That way, more people can benefit from the free tips and strategies I share. And be sure to tag me in when you do. I'm at Jan Murray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 